Hey, hello everyone. We are back with another episode of the JPS podcast. As you all know, here at CCHMC, we like to highlight what's new out there. And so every month we highlight some articles from JPS that we have an editor from the journal that help us choose these articles. For this month, that is September, we have Dr. Whit Holcomb. We already released the part one, so now we have the part two. So I'm Cecilia Higena. I'm Ellen and Cisco. And we are both research fellows at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. And today we're going to talk about two articles. The first one is about ports getting stuck. And we also have an infographic for this. If you are in the state current app, you can see the infographic linked below. And also we are going to talk about CD8 and when is the best time to operate it. Also, as always, these articles are linked below the media player that you can so you can read them for yourselves. So let's start with the first paper. Okay, so um, our first paper is called Why Do Subcutaneous Ports Get Stuck? A Case Control Study. This study was done at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Tennessee, and the team noticed that they had several instances where the ports got stuck or were stuck when they went to remove them and required additional intervention or help from um, interventional radiology colleagues, and they wanted to know why or if you know this happened in more patients than others. And so I thought this was a very good clinical paper trying to figure out who is at high risk for having their ports get stuck because almost every pediatric surgeon in their lifetime in their career will have a, a subcutaneous port that gets stuck. And that was Dr. Whit Holcomb, the editor who helped us choose the articles. My name is Andrew Murphy. I'm a pediatric surgeon at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And that was the senior author, Dr. Andrew Murphy. So they did a prospective study of patients at their institution between 2014 and 2017 who had ports removed, and they compared patients with stuck ports, or patients, you know, the ports that were, were difficult to remove to patients without ports that were difficult to remove. You know, they were just um, kind of the control group. So I think what's different about our study is uh, compared to what's been done in the past is most of the prior literature um, was done re retrospectively and therefore was limited to patients that had, you know, extremely difficult catheters to remove. Since we kind of prospectively tracked th these patients, we were able to um, identify a broader group. They had 57 stuck ports and 171 controls, and they found that the stuck ports were associated with a diagnosis of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, a longer duration of being in situ, and a catheter composition of polyurethane. So I think time is critical, and I think diagnosis is critical probably because of the, um, the drugs that they get at induction. And because of that, did you start doing something different? Just kind of setting expectations um, and altering the informed consent discussion has been a, a huge practice change for us res that resulted from this study. It should alert surgeons that if they have a patient with ALL, and especially if they've been in for longer than two years, then they ought to be 
concerned uh, or they ought to be aware that the port may get stuck. And we should consider, you know, going ahead and calling the endovascular team as backup ahead of time because these ports tend to be more difficult to remove. It's important for us to know um, that, you know, these patients have risk. It helps when you're talking to the patient, it helps preoperatively to be prepared for it, that using silastic is probably better in these patients. Um, but I think a lot of this was, was already known from previous studies. And that was Dr. Todd Ponsky. Any thoughts, Cecilia? What do you think? Do you have an experience with this? Um, yes. One thing that we think about that this is that we always knew that some long-term uh, catheter placement, like if it's been a long time, it will be a little bit more difficult. But I think this article helped us know like when start to be aware of the time and actually which patients are in more danger of having that. Obviously, these people still might need to have their ports removed, but just information for you know things to consider. Okay, so we have the second article that's operative repairing congenital diaphragmatic hernia. How long do we really need to wait? This is an article that is was published by the University of Utah, and we actually talked to three of the authors. I'm Dr. Bradley Oder. I'm a professor of pediatrics at the University of Utah. And I'm Michelle Yang. I'm one of the assistant professors of neonatology at the University of Utah. And my name is Katie Russell. I'm an assistant professor of pediatric surgery at the University of Utah. So the aim of this study was to analyze the preoperative cardiopulmonary support and define preoperative stability relative to timing of surgical repair for CVH in neonates that didn't go on ECMO. And so they've analyzed 158 neonates and they define the stability of the oxygenation index. And we have Dr. Young, one of the authors of this paper, telling us how to calculate this. So oxygenation index is your mean area pressure that would be on the ventilator times your FiO2 that's in decimals. So if it's 100% would be one. If you're on 30% FiO2 would be 0.3 divided by your arterial oxygen, so PaO2, and then you and then you multiply all of that by 100 to come up with your value for the oxygenation index. And what they found is that the oxygenation index in the first 24 hours was uh, pretty reliable and representative of the preoperative stability of the patient. So if the patient got an OI less of 9.4, there's no need to delay the surgery after 24 hours because what they found is that that was going to be pretty stable and it was safe to operate on these patients. And if you delay them beyond that point in time to repair them, there is an associated increase in the length of time they're on the ventilator and then in the length of time they are in the hospital. Okay, that was another author from this paper. That's Dr. Bradley Yoder. Um, I, I mean, I think just in terms of the implementation of this, we work very closely as pediatric surgeons with our neonatologists. And by doing this study, we were able to come up with an objective measure when we think it's safe to repair a CDH after. And from a surgical standpoint, this has really been practice changing. 
and that was Dr. Katie Russell, another author of this paper. It seems like this is probably one of the first like objective parameters to help you decide when to operate, right? Yes,、um, I think the same. In also, as Dr. Yang pointed, everyone is going to take a blood sample from a CDH patient, so this is a very easy objective measure to get from a CDH patient. You know, you can look at an objective data point, and and that might help you guide. That might help guide you to when to operate on、uh, on these patients. And again, that was Dr. Wit Halkem, the editor that helped us choose these articles. It's an interesting way of、uh, promoting the concept of early repair by saying you now have some indicators that this patient would probably benefit from an early repair, and in fact, if you wait, they do worse. That is a very simple bedside tool that babies will already be getting when they are this sick. They can use to truly make a big difference. Awesome, good articles, useful, clinically applicable articles. Yeah, super useful articles. And there you have it, another JPS article review podcast. This is September part two. We talked about the first article that show us. How to be aware of the ports that get stuck and how to repair for them. And remember that you have the infographic linked below if you are in the Stay Current app for this article. And the second article that talks about timing for CDH repair, and they showed us a really easy, quick, objective parameter to help us know when to repair it. If You like it? Please leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening in Spotify or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to download the Stay Current Pediatric Surgery app. But until then, I'm Cecilia Hijena. I'm Ellen Antisco, and this is the Stay Current podcast. Stay Current.